have been taking this spring to walk through the, the book of Hebrews, which is a letter that was written to a group of Christians who were, I would say, struggling to follow God. The whole thing was just more difficult than they thought it was going to be. And every week we've been noticing that the, the answer, the counsel they receive for, for getting through their struggles, it's always basically the same thing. Uh, what they needed and what we need is to learn how to sink our roots deeper and deeper into Jesus Christ, because that's the, that's the source of stability, that's the source of strength. So in the passage that we're going to look at today, the, the writer is, is basically saying, look, there's something about Jesus. There's a role that he wants to play in your life that if you allow him to play this role in your life, it will change you very deeply. So what is this, what is this role that, that Jesus wants to play in our lives and how can it change us? Let's look at the passage for today. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7, we're going to be in verse 18 through verse 28. It says, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. And this is God's word. So here's what we're going to see today, three, three things we're gonna see uh, our need for an advocate, and then we're gonna talk about the ultimate advocate, and then we're gonna finally talk about how we can be changed by our advocate, right? So why we need an advocate, um, who the perfect advocate is, and how knowing all this and living this can change us. So let's talk first about our need for an advocate. You probably noticed as we started reading this passage, it's a lot of stuff about priests, right? So it talks about the high priest, talks about Jesus as a priest. And we mentioned this the first week of this series, most of the readers of this letter when it was first written were ethnically Jewish people who had become Christians. And so when they heard this talk about priests, they immediately had a context for that. They understood how the whole Hebrew priest system worked. The problem is when we look at this, we don't have, most of us at least, that same background or context. This talk about priests is a little more um, kind of foreign to us. So I was struggling with this and trying to figure out how how to help us connect with this. And the thing that really kind of turned the light on for me was something I heard from Pastor Tim Keller. So the way that he kind of approached this really helped me to see it clearly. So I just want to give credit to him today because a lot of the ideas that I'm going to share with you kind of had their source in, in things that I learned from him. So... In verse 25, it talks about one of the key roles of a priest. 
Verse 25 says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives, here it is, to intercede for them. So one of the key roles that a priest would play is to intercede between God and people. But what, help, what helps us understand this is that word intercede was also a word that was commonly used in a legal setting. And here's what it would mean. To intercede meant to appear as a representative or advocate in court for somebody who's on trial. Does that make sense? To intercede is to appear as a representative or an advocate in court for someone who's on trial. Have you ever been in a position where you needed that? It was, gosh, I guess about 25 years ago, um, I was living in Dallas and I got into a really bad car accident. Uh, totaled the car. Uh, thankfully, I just had some bruises and a broken rib, maybe two broken ribs. Um, the other driver was fine. We both walked away from, from the scene of, of the accident. Um, several months went by, I think about nine or 10 months, and knock on the door, I got served papers. Uh, the woman who had been in the accident with me, I guess, had decided that she had a lot of pain and suffering since then and decided to sue me for that, which was you know, pretty traumatic for a, a 25-year-old guy. So months after that, um, I went to trial. I mean, the whole, it didn't settle out of court, so there was the whole deal with a judge and a jury and everything like that. So I walked into that Dallas courtroom, um, but I didn't walk in alone. Who do you think I had with me? I had my advocate. My, my insurance company, my auto insurance company had appointed a lawyer for me, and so I walked into the courtroom with her, and she was my advocate. She had gotten me ready for this date leading up to that time, but even more importantly, in that courtroom, she represented me. I desperately needed that because she knew what to say and what not to say. Um, she knew how the legal system works. She knew how judges tend to think. And because she was a very competent attorney, I faced that judge and that jury with, with so much more confidence because I had my advocate. Um, and by the way, the jury decided that I was only 10% at fault in the accident, so I walked away without paying a penny, um, but I'm much more careful going through yellow lights ever since then. <laughs> and so you say, okay, well, I get the analogy, advocate, courtroom, all that, but what does it have to do with ordinary life? Um, let, let me set it up like this, and this is the, the analogy that Tim Keller uses. When I walked into the courtroom on that day, I was basically trying to prove myself, right? I, I needed these outside voices, I needed a judge and a jury to pronounce that I was okay. That was my goal, that was what I really needed. And there is a sense, in a similar way, that all of us go through life needing an outside pronouncement that we're okay. Um, this is true in a very surface way when it comes to our appearance. All of us have a way that we hope that we look to other people, right? And so we, we kind of manage that in our minds. There's probably certain angles that you don't even like to look at yourself in the mirror, right? When you first got up this morning, you probably didn't even want to look at all. There are certain pictures of you that when you get those pictures, you look at them and you don't like them, so what do you do? You used to have to rip them up, now you just click delete, right? <laughs> Sometimes when somebody posts a picture of you online and you don't like the way it looks, you get mad at them, right? Why would you post that picture? And sometimes when you see a picture like that, you say to your friend, I don't really look like that, do I? 
And of course, your loving spouse or your good friend says, no, you look nothing like that, like that exact digital representation of yourself. Nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. So we have this wishful picture of what we look like, but that's just physical. We, he just got that. <laughs> On a deeper level, we have, a, we have a hope of what we look like morally and spiritually. Is, is my soul pretty or ugly? And we have this fear that maybe our soul doesn't look so good, and we hope that it does. And here's the thing, you cannot not care about this. You might say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I, I, I only care about my verdict about myself, but it's not true. We desperately need outside pronouncement that we're okay. I was thinking about this, and the, and the scene that came to mind is the last scene in Saving Private Ryan. Remember that final scene? James Ryan had been basically rescued from the battlefield of World War II, you know, and, and now at the end of the movie, he's an old man, and he goes with his family to visit the American cemetery in Normandy, France. And you remember, he's, he's kneeling in that cemetery, and he breaks down. He just gets emotional, he starts to, to weep. You remember what he says to his wife? He says, tell me I've led a good life. And his wife says, what? He says, tell me I'm a good man. And of course, his wife says, you are a good man. What is that? I mean, is that something that you only feel if you've been rescued by Tom Hanks? No, it's human. It's something every human feels. We need outside voices to validate us and tell us that we're okay. It's a deeply human thing. And I don't know if you, if you believe in God. I've, most of you probably do. You're in this room. Not everyone listening to my voice now does. But I believe that underneath all of our efforts to get verdicts and approval from people, there's this deep longing to have a word from the God who created us. And something in us knows that one day we will stand before our creator, the ultimate judge. And here's the, the question that changes everything. Are you going to go before that court alone or will you have the advocate? And every once in a while in a courtroom, somebody says, I don't need a lawyer. Right? They say, I'm going to be my own attorney and represent myself. How does that usually go? It's usually a disaster. It usually just doesn't work at all. And Hebrews is basically saying, don't try to go in alone. You need the advocate. In many ways, this is the heart of Christianity. I mean, having, having Jesus as your, your advocate. Because when you get this, when you say, yes, he's the one I need and he's going to be my advocate, not only does it give you a different kind of confidence for facing your creator on that day, it changes the way you look at all of life. All right, so, so how does this actually work? Let's talk about the ultimate advocate. For the original readers of this letter, who were human, just like us, needing that voice, that pronouncement, that verdict that says you're okay, the way that they would go about that was through priests. I mean, it's just the way they did it. So this was a normal thing to them. When they felt they needed to feel okay with God, okay about themselves, they would go to the temple and they would bring an offering to the temple. The priest then, as their mediator, their advocate, would take that, that offering and would present it to God. And then the priest would say, the verdict is, you're good. Go in peace. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, there's actually a better way now. There's a way to approach God now that's better, and it's through Jesus. And he gives us, I would say, two big reasons why this is such a better system. First is his perfection. Jesus' perfection. 
So look at verses 26, 27, and 28. Such a high priest, talking about Jesus, truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. See, back in the time of, of, of the Hebrew priests, every priest who ever served was just a man. Even the really good ones who did their job well, they would get to the end of the day and they would take off their robe and they would go home and on a bad day they would yell at their wife and they would be mean to their kids, they'd kick the dog. They would feel jealous of the other priest who had a nicer robe. You know, they were just human, just people. In addition, not only were the priests imperfect, the sacrifices that they offered were sort of imperfect. Um, verse 27 again, unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. So what I mean is, back then, the sacrifices that the priests offered didn't really stick. <laughs> like they were temporary, so they'd have to just keep doing it. Oh, here comes that same guy again with that same sin. I better offer another sacrifice for him. Um, so the priests were imperfect. The work that they did was temporary. So if you had a priest for your advocate, if you depended on a priest to tell you you're okay, it sort of worked, but, but you know, the whole thing was kind of shaky. And then along came Jesus. And what all those other priests did imperfectly, Jesus did perfectly. His character was flawless because his, his, the way he lived, he lived the way life was meant to be lived. He walked in perfect obedience to the law of God. And because of that, he was able to offer a very different kind of sacrifice. Verse 27, one more time. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. See, Jesus, the ultimate high priest, didn't just offer a sacrifice. When he went to the cross, he was the sacrifice. And since it was an absolutely perfect sacrifice, no further sacrifices are ever needed. And then secondly, Jesus is a better advocate, not just because of his perfection, but because of his permanence. His permanence. Verses 23 to 25. Now, there have been many of those high priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So we know what happened, right? After Jesus offered himself as the perfect sacrifice, he was raised to life on the third day and he ascended into heaven. And this is what, where, where it gets really good for us because in his position at the right hand of the Father in heaven, Jesus is constantly interceding for us. Well, what, what do you mean he intercedes for us? Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Every time I sin, which is probably more often than I realize, it's as if there's this courtroom scene in heaven. And so God the Father says, look, this Dave Gustafson has done it again. He committed a sin. And Jesus says, it's true, your honor. And we throw ourselves on the mercy of the court. Please have mercy, right? No. It's not about mercy in this case. See, Jesus, my advocate, doesn't have to ask for mercy. He asks for justice. Because that sin that I committed was paid for by the blood of Christ on the cross. 
And so Jesus is able to say to the Father, it's paid for. It would be actually unjust for you to punish him again for that sin that was already paid for in the cross. You can't punish two people for the same sin. And God the Father, who by the way is not a cranky judge who hopes to condemn me, he planned this whole thing out in the first place, is able to joyfully say exactly right. He stands forgiven. Here's what I know about myself. As long as I live on this side of heaven, I'm gonna continue to stumble and sin. And so praise God that I have an advocate who always lives to intercede for me. So, let's get really practical. Let's get out of the courtroom, let's get out of the, the vision of heaven, and let's talk about regular life. How does having Jesus as my advocate change the way that I live in regular life? Let me point out five ways that we're changed by our advocate. First, because Jesus is my advocate, I can stop glorifying human spiritual leaders. I can stop glorifying human spiritual leaders. We have this tendency to put human leaders on a pedestal, don't we? It just seems to be in us. Um, I may have told you the story before, a few years ago there was a guy who lived adjacent in a, a property adjacent to the chapel and he, they were gonna sell their home. He wanted to give the chapel the first chance to buy the property if we were interested. So he came to the chapel office and he hand delivered a letter to me and he didn't know how to address me. And so I looked at the envelope on the front of it, it said, to his eminence. <laughs> I enjoyed that for a couple seconds. <laughs> but then it was just the funniest thing that I ever saw. And people from the chapel usually have a much more realistic view of me. Um, but we all have something in us that just wants to glorify human leaders. We want to find a hero, and unfortunately what happens so often is we put somebody on a pedestal and then they disappoint us. They, they, you know, maybe some big moral failure happens. We feel crushed. We feel, we feel so betrayed, and, and then we realize we've set up an idol that was never meant to bear the weight of our, our glorification, right? And this teaching in Hebrews keeps us from doing this because it says even the high, the high priest was so esteemed, he was like the most spiritual guy in Israel. Even he had to offer sacrifices for his own sins every time he went into the temple. So don't pin your hopes on human leaders. They're very imperfect. Sometimes they crash. Jesus is the only one who will never fail you. So stop glorifying human leaders. Secondly, because Jesus is my advocate, I can stop relying on human leaders to approach God. Um, this is very subtle, but sometimes I see it coming out when somebody will come to me and they'll say, Pastor Dave, can you pray for me? Because I know God listens to you. You know, I know that if you pray for me, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna get through. You've got a direct line to God. And you know what? They're right. I have a direct line to God, and so does every believer in Jesus Christ. And, it, and the reason is, because of our advocate. And if you don't get that, like if you think that, you know, normal, regular Christians have a dial-up connection and, you know, pastors have a, you know, have, you know, high-speed internet or something, um, you just don't understand the work of the advocate. Um, 1 Timothy 1.5, listen to this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and it's not your pastor, your priest, your rabbi, it is Christ Jesus. So as long as you trust in Christ, you get direct access to the throne of God. 
Um, now, so does that mean you should never ask your friends or your pastors to, to pray for you? Of course not. You, you, you should. I mean, there's, there's encouragement, there's fellowship in praying for each other. But every one of us also needs to have a one-on-one prayer life that doesn't depend on any other human being being there. So when you're alone with your coffee in the morning, when you're driving to work, when you're out for a run, you have full access to God. Did you notice twice in the passage today, it talks about this is why we can now draw near to God because of Christ and him as our advocate. It's this great privilege that we have in knowing him, drawing near. Number three, because Jesus is my advocate, I can stop allowing guilt to drag me down. And, and I think there are at least a few people here who really need to hear this today. Did you ever have this reminder, almost like a video playing in your mind of all the stupid things you've done? And sometimes it's just like, you know, the times that you've made terrible decisions, times that you've hurt people, times that you've done shameful things, and it's like this voice that's saying, you are filthy, you are a reject, you are pervert, you are dirty. And this plays in your mind sometimes, and sometimes you can't seem to stop it from from playing. And if you don't understand your advocate, the best you can say is, well, I'm doing better lately, I'm having a really good week, and you'll never win that way. The way to overpower guilt is to run in your, in your heart, to run to your advocate, to Christ. He's your defense. I love the way Martin Luther said this so powerfully. He said, so when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this, I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, and where he is, there I shall be also. Amen? So if you've been dragged down by guilt and by shame, you'll never overcome it by your good behavior. Um, You need to just take hold of the advocate. Fourth, because Jesus is my advocate, I can stop taking myself so seriously. I can stop taking myself so seriously. See, if I'm basing my self-image, the way I feel about myself, on my performance, whether it's my performance at my job or my performance as a mom, listen up, mothers, or my performance religiously, right? They're all performance-based mentalities. If I feel good about myself only when I get affirmed by others, when I perform well, what happens when I get criticized? How will I react? I will feel so threatened. I'll feel so angry at you. I will look for ways to attack you. Oh, yeah, you want to talk about my problems? Let's turn it to you, right? It will so hurt me. It will so devastate me. How dare you say that about me? Because the very foundation that my self-image is built on is shaken. But when I understand the gospel, when I understand the only thing that makes me right is Christ, my advocate, when you criticize me, I can just say, man, you're probably right. You don't know the half of it. I got more problems than you know. And you can laugh at yourself a little bit. The gospel does that, frees us. Um, See, without the gospel, we tend to swing between these two extremes. We either feel arrogant and superior because we feel like, I'm kind of living well here. You know, so we tend to look down on people and just feel really superior. Or sometimes in the same day, we feel inferior and shy because we feel like we're not living up to our standards. And maybe you've heard me say this before, when you think about arrogance and insecurity, they seem so far apart, don't they? Like opposite things. 
and yet they're, they're actually very similar to each other because what do they both have in common? It's about me. Either I'm nothing, I'm scum, or I'm great, but it's all about me. And the gospel frees us just not to think of ourselves that much. And so we're free to focus on other people. We're free to, to focus on God, which is just a beautiful thing. And then finally, because Jesus is my advocate, I can stop living in fear. I can stop living in fear. Um, Acts chapter 7, we have the story of the very first Christian martyr, Stephen, who was one of the early disciples of Jesus, gets dragged in front of the religious authorities, and they're about to stone him to death. And it says they looked up, and he saw something, and then they begin to actually execute him by stoning. And as they're killing him, he says, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. So he died without fear. He died with forgiveness for his enemies on his lips, just like Jesus did. So what was it that he saw when he looked up? It says that he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus, his advocate. So think about this. At the very moment when this human court was condemning him, the only court that really mattered was commending him. See, if you're always seeking the approval of people, you'll never really act with courage. You'll never conquer your fear because you'll always worry that if I do this, people might, might change their opinion of me. People will be disappointed with me. People will think I'm crazy. But if you find your identity in Christ alone, you'll be able to do the right thing, to challenge injustice, to speak for the truth. Even if it's an unpopular thing, you'll no longer be controlled by the opinions of other people. See, the question is not, are you looking for affirmation? Because all of us really are. The question is, have you found your affirmation in Christ alone? Have you made him your advocate? Because when you do, he frees you to live in the way that you were meant to be lived. Would you rise for our closing prayer? Let's pray. Father, with gratitude and with awe, we look at this plan that, that is the good news of the gospel. That Jesus came and lived the perfect life that none of us have been able to pull off and then offered himself as the perfect sacrifice to suffer in our place. And Father, to, to think that we get in on that only by admitting our need and embracing you by faith. It's an amazing thing. And Lord, I pray for all of us that, that today, in the way that we look at ourselves, that we would seek our approval from you through Jesus Christ. And that you would so fill us with the confidence that comes from knowing Christ, that it would just change us. Lord, we'd be able to, to not take ourselves so seriously, to act with courage, not being controlled by what other people think, to act with love, to do what's right. Lord, I pray that the truth of Christ, our advocate, would just free us today. Lord, help us to, to be good sons and daughters of the moms that are in our lives. Help us to show love. Help us to show appreciation. And again, I pray your rich blessing on every mother here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And listen, before you leave today, if you are a woman, 18 years or older, there is a gift for you on the way out the door. Don't forget about the photo booth. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>